Welcome to the Journal of African History podcast. My name is Shane Doyle. I'm one of the editors of the journal. It's a great pleasure today to welcome Dr. Atana Dinka. Dr. Dinka, could you tell us all a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. Um, my name is Itana Hapte Dinka. I was born and brought up in Ethiopia. I studied undergrad and master's in Ethiopia. And I did my PhD at SARS uh, University of London. I now teach at James Madison University. That's great. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to chat today with you. So the journal's next issue, 63.2, will include your article titled Eating a Country, the Dynamics of State Society Encounters in Khelem, Western Ethiopia, 1908 to 1933. Can you tell us how you came to write this article? What is its backstory? Where did the idea originate? Thanks. That's a good question as well as challenging one, particularly when I try to trace back where it started. But usually when I study, read uh, sources, materials, and navigate through uh, competing historiographies in, in Ethiopia, I usually ask myself uh, about the connection and disconnection between the historical discussions in Ethiopia and African historiography. So uh, Ethiopia, uh, both historically and even in historical discussions, uh, presented itself for a long time as a unique uh, place, distinct uh, history. But at the same time, th there is some disconnection uh, between uh, African historiography and historiographies in Ethiopia. So uh, when I uh, s uh, started my PhD research, I usually had this thought at the back of my mind. And uh, as I completed my PhD by trying to connect um, discussions in African history and my findings, I decided to bring out this, this kind of connection. So I drew most of the materials uh, from my PhD uh, thesis submitted uh, uh, to uh, SOAS. That is uh, why I am interested, and that is uh, what I remember about the start of the uh, thoughts about, about the article. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, I'm interested in, in the phrase, eating a, co a country, which you use in the article's title. What were you trying to convey with that wording? Yeah, this word uh, in Amharic lexicography uh, was common. In, in Imperial Ethiopia, particularly in the late 19th century and early 20th century when governors were appointed to uh, the broader uh, southern part of the country, which was conquered by the state of Abyssinia by the close of the 19th century. So the Imperial state used this word repeatedly in, in its conversation. So in one of travel accounts, particularly collected from the region where I did my research on, the Italian uh, traveler reported that uh, this, this phrase was common among the colonists or the imperial soldiers about eating a country. So mostly when letters were written or when the appointments were communicated to the governors, which would be sent 
uh, out from Addis Ababa to the Concord South, uh, it would be say, you, you go and eat this country. Uh, that is to say, uh, you, that is your salary. I mean, there is no uh, formal, there was no formal uh, way of paying the soldiers and the governors. Eat this country means the resources there, the people there, the land there would be yours. Uh, and that reveals the methods of exploitation and the tools used to bring uh, the Concord House into the Ethiopian Empire, the thoughts uh, behind the empire. And, and in the conversation, it helps us to unpack the, the, the response of the local people and the interaction between the society and the state at local level. And that is why I uh, try to use that phrase to capture that, that uh, historical process. That's great. Thank you. I think it's a phrase that resonates with, with Africanists from across the continent, but it's really interesting to hear its particular Ethiopian meanings there. That's fantastic. You've already mentioned the how the article originated in part because of your interest in, in particular historiographical debates. Could you tell us a little bit more about the, the detail of these debates, about particularly the debate about Ethiopian history and the historiography surrounding that? Sure. Historiographical uh, debates in Ethiopia uh, take many sides, but the major ones are two. The great tradition or Ethiopianist historiography uh, on one side and the Oromo historiography on the other side, particularly in the uh, area that I studied, this uh, two historiographical debates are relevant. The Ethiopianist historiography emphasizes central institutions, histories of kings, and the history of domination, and state history, mostly the deeds of history, achievements of uh, the state, usually ignoring the details about uh, conquest, subjugation, exploitation, slavery. Uh, on the other side, the competing historiographies, particularly Oromo historiography, emerged in response to this dominant form of Ethiopianist or greater tradition, and it emphasized the historical processes ignored uh, by the Ethiopianist historiography. So it emphasizes histories of subjugation, histories of conquest, slavery, and exploitation. So it pushes back the discussions and arguments of the uh, greater tradition. So between these two, there are things that historians or people who are interested in the details of history may miss because these discussions are made at the state level, at national level, and prefer to generalize discussions. So when you look into the details of the subjugation, whether it is emphasized or ignored, and the achievements of the state, whether that is emphasized or ignored, you see the competition and encounters, rivalries between local forces that reveal the details of what made Ethiopia what it is today. 
So my interest is to engage those historiographies, but get into the details, contextualize in African uh, historiography in order to capture the factors that involved in the making and the unmaking uh, in some ways of the Ethiopian state. That's so interesting. Thank you. So can you now tell us a little bit about your article's contribution, the, the detail of, of what you argue within your paper that we're soon going to publish? Sure. One significance um, of my article is definitely in the details uh, it present and in its interpretation about, about the detail. So like I said at, at the beginning, this kind of details, this kind of history might have been written many times for different parts of Ethiopia by uh, different scholars, but not many think of how these developments connect with the broader continental uh, historical issues. So the, the significance of my article is bringing details into the historical processes that were involved in the making of the Ethiopian empire. Of course, it, it was an empire. And the responses that were seen in the, in the process of uh, history. So for historians, this is an interesting historical process that uh, presents them with how a unique African empire made itself and how it functioned, its details. So this is an alternative discussion where how uh, empires, particularly during the time of European empire on the continent of Africa, created itself in competition with the European empire and how at local level the process was conducted, the process of making the state and to some extent the unmaking of the state. So historians benefit from the contextualization and the details of the empirical uh, data of state society encounters. So it broadens our knowledge at, at various levels. One, in terms of exposure to state-making processes, uh, the participation of local forces in the making of the state, even unconsciously. The local elites, the peasants, state functionaries, including governors, uh, soldiers, even uh, slaves, so that detail uh, would be helpful to help us broaden our, our knowledge about the making of an, this unique African empire. Of course, it, it was unique in many ways, but at the same time, it connects in, in various ways with European empires on the continent of Africa. So that would be uh, the contribution of my art. Fantastic, yeah. I think it's, it's so interesting how much emphasis you're placing on the connections across to, to broader themes in, in Africanist historiography, both in terms of Ethiopia being understood as, as a, an imperial state and also the processes on the ground of, of what we might think of as intermediaries trying to, to make this state expansion 
work or, or be adapted to suit the interests of, of local people. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more now about the sources that you have used in your article. Was there a particular source or category of sources that you find especially revealing or interesting within your research? Yes, of course. As uh, readers might get a chance to uh, read my article, there are a number of categories of sources that I mobilized to write this article. Oral interview, intelligence report, archival sources, and the oral uh, sources are of two types. One is the oral source which was conducted by senior historian Alessandro Triulsi, which I am very grateful to for uh, getting access to that archive. And the second one is one I conducted myself. So what is the most interesting of the sources for me are the imperial archives. So historians uh, know imperial archives for what they are. They are selective. They usually emphasize perspectives of the state. And, and usually it's not common to find voices of the suppressed, voices of the marginalized in imperial archives. So the archives which are related to my research in this regard are interesting because they include peasant voices. They include peasant voices, not so deliberately because in this context, in the context of Kellam, peasants filed petitions. They took their cases to imperial quarters, taking the state to its own court. So the, the state had to record this process, the uh, process of argument, lit litigation, court litigations. So these archives that brings the, the details of peasant voices uh, are very interesting for me, especially when you find them in a place where it's rare to find them. So it's interesting because you also find imperial authorities comment on what uh, peasants and peasant representatives say uh, about their feeling, about their grievance in, in the way the state approached uh, the governance of their areas, land issues, uh, managing the resources. So those, those uh, sources are uh, really impressive, impressive and I, I, I like them very much. Can I ask, how do you think your article will be received within Ethiopia? You know, to what degree are current arguments about the nature of the, of the Ethiopian state affected by shifts in the historiography, like your contribution here? Right. That's an interesting question and maybe difficult to answer. I would imagine serious scholars uh, would appreciate the innovative tone of this article. At the same time, I, I would uh, think of scholars, some scholars to disagree uh, with the interpretation or with the argument. But th the article, I believe, would remain uh, relevant and, and significant in, in its contribution and in what it presents. So if we take one example, for example, until 1974, that is the date when the Ethiopian revolution erupted, until 1974, the greater tradition was so dominant in Ethiopian historiography 
but after eruption of the revolution, because the political power of the, the imperial thought was challenged, uh, opening a path for scholars who uh, want to do detailed research, alter- presenting alternative interpretations and alternative arguments about the Ethiopian state to study not only the state institutions, but also people who were involved, who encountered the state, including slaves, peasants, local elite soldiers. So in 1986, some 10 years after the eruption of the revolution, many works were done before that, but in 1986, a groundbreaking work was published with regard to history of imperial Ethiopia, which was uh, an edited volume edited by Donald Donham and Wendy James, The Southern Marches of Imperial Ethiopia, Historical and Anthropological uh, Inquiries. That, that approach brought to the front perspectives which were before that time pushed back or not accepted in, in the discourse. So I believe the works that came after uh, the Southern March learned quite a lot from that methodology, uh, from the seriousness of the approach and the data uh, mobilized in, in constructing that type of uh, useful work. So my article would be in some ways provocative and would be uh, useful for people who want to get into the details and look into the methods of construction and reconstruction of relations between the state and society at local level, which are meaningful at national level and connect us with the broader history of Africa. Thank you. This is fascinating. I hope all our listeners have enjoyed listening to you. Tell us about your research. I'm sure that everybody will go ahead and read your article, which is in the upcoming issue of the Journal of African History, 63.2. So let us thank you for contributing to our podcast and the best of luck with your future research. Thank you, Atana. Thank you very much, Shane.